The world of mixed martial arts looks very different today than it did just 20 years ago. Once the red-headed stepchild of sports, talked about only in hushed whispers and watched only on videotapes you had to return to your questionable neighbor, mixed martial arts has grown into a global phenomenon on the sweat and blood of hundreds of legendary fighters and thousands of epic events. These pioneers should not be forgotten, so crack open a cold beer, relax, and let Adam and Lewis regale you with the tales of mixed martial arts yesteryear, now on Punch Drunk History. Jose Aldo is one of the greatest MMA fighters of all time. The King of Rio ruled the featherweight division in mixed martial arts with an iron fist for nearly a decade. His run through the WEC and the UFC was the stuff of legend, dominating all challenges and garnering a reputation for his ferocious and brutal fighting style. However, like many great rulers, his reign came to an abrupt end for Aldo in devastating and humiliating fashion. Suffering a KO loss in such a high-profile manner would have ended the careers of many men, but Aldo showed why he is one of the all-time greats, and instead of letting that defeat define him, he continued to mix it up with the best in the world at 145 and later 135 pounds. Where does Aldo rank among the greats of the sport? He's undoubtedly the greatest featherweight of all time, but does he make it? onto the Mount Rushmore of MMA? To try and answer this question, as well as take a closer look at his mixed martial arts career, I'm joined by Adam, my co-host for Punch Drunk. Welcome to Punch Drunk History. Pico porfitor amigo. I say that in Portuguese, and that translation is "that was perfect, mate." So <laughs> <laughs> I had to change it up. As I said in the last history app, every single one I always just go "mate." So I had to change it up, do something different. I thought I'd get uh, my Portuguese going because you know I am fluent um, in multiple. Well, you languages. are bilingual, paying a little paying a little respect to one of the greatest fighters of all time. It's a sad day. Uh, it's Jose Aldo has retired, so we're um, straight into the history app. Uh, you might not be listening to it the day you retired, but trust me, we're recording this the day he retired. The very day. We were prepared. We were waiting for this. It was... We heard a whisper, you know, we're on the inside these days, so we heard a whisper he might be retiring and... Uh, we're like, man, we're going to have to do a history app just to pay our respects. Uh, the only way the punch trunk guys know how to do it, which is um, talk about him on a podcast and hopefully some people listen to it. And I'm sure he will listen to it because um, he isn't dead, oh. but uh, it is a bit of a eulogy. <laughs> it is funny when a legend of sport retires and it did kind of feel like he was being eulogized a bit. I can't imagine what it's going to be like when he does actually die, but people just only have wonderful things to say. And it is quite fitting because Jose Aldo has delivered for so long. And what really shows or indicates the esteem in which he is held by not only fans, but the UFC as well, is the way that they let him walk away clean from the sport. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but the UFC can be quite shitty in the way it deals with his fighters sometimes. No. You know, they can have quite public arguments over pay, contracts, hello, Nick Diaz, hello, Francis Ngannou, et cetera, et cetera. Jose Aldo never had any of that publicly. And I'm not saying he's been treated like this because of that. But he was let, let go or allowed to walk away from the UFC with a fight still left on his contract. They've got a big show coming up in Rio next year. And they said, you know what, Jose? For all you've done for us, for all you've done for the sport, you're free to pursue whatever you like, whether that's professional boxing, kickboxing, bare knuckle boxing. I really hope he doesn't do that. All of a sudden, there's been some whispers, maybe a, 
a super fight in Bellator against the reigning featherweight champion there, Patricio Pitbull, who's about 37 years old. So the same age range in Brazil. That would be monstrous. But it just shows you how well-respected and what the legacy uh, legacy left behind by Jose Aldo means to the UFC. And Dana White has said, this is his house. This is the house that Jose Aldo built. He's He can come to any event, anytime, front row. There's a deference there and there's a respect from fans, from journalists, from organizations that just proves that Jose Aldo's legacy is beyond what he did inside the octagon, which is insane because what he did inside the octagon makes him one of the most revered and most respected fighters of all time. We're dealing with the absolute diamond of a person here as well. So it's awesome to have this opportunity to go back and, you know, in our own way, because what else can we do? We don't we don't know the bloke. I can't call him up and be like, hey, Jose, you know, nice career, mate. But in our own way, pay our respects to one of the greatest to ever do it. And he really is the great, like one of the greatest to ever do it, full stop. But he, he's so special because of a few things. One, I think you touched on it, just like his character outside the octagon. It's just you, you can't fault it. Uh, just a true like sportsmanship personified and just so humble and seemed very, very loyal to the team around him and all of that. And then he's also a bit of a trailblazer in terms of just where he came from, like a trailblazer for Brazilians in the UFC. And there were a couple before him, but, you know, he's probably the most successful and, you know, the most dominant for such a long period of time. So he's a trailblazer in that way. But then again, he's also a trailblazer if you watch these old fights, which we've been doing, in just like things like leg kicks and like flying knees and just stuff like that. Without it, You just see it's, – it's weird if you don't see leg kicks in basically every UFC fight now, especially at those weight, weight classes. And he, he was doing them – um, to guys who you can tell in the middle of the fight are like, what the fuck was that? And why can I not fucking walk anymore? <laughs> and yeah, he, he's a, he was a generation ahead of um, his time, I would say. And that's probably why he was so dominant. It was, it's amazing to watch when you go back and you'd be like, oh, he's fighting like the guys fight now. And these other guys just aren't quite at the level. They're tough, tough as nails and they're copping it, but they just, they're just not on his level. Yeah, ahead of his time is a perfect way to put it. And it's why he was so dominant through the WEC into the UFC in that stage of his career. And really, he was a pioneer for the, the, the lighter weight classes. The UFC brought uh, brought in the WEC roster. Zufa acquired it, I think, in 2006. They ran simultaneous organizations. And then they folded it into the single umbrella and brought those lower weight classes into the UFC which are some of the most popular weight classes today. Look how hyped we get talking about bantamweight and featherweight at the moment in particular with how many great fights we've got. I mean, look at UFC 280 coming up. Two fights in the bantamweight division that people are just absolutely stoked on. Same as featherweight. Everyone can't wait to see Volkanovski return and what's going to be next. Max Holloway was such a draw. That all came from the work that was put in by the guys in the WEC, in particular, the work put in by Jose Aldo. Now, we talk Jose Aldo, we talk featherweight. You obviously have to talk, bring up the elephant in the room, with him getting dusted by Conor McGregor in 13 seconds to end this legendary featherweight, featherweight run that we're going to go back and talk to. But I just want to get it out of the way first because I don't want that to sort of loom over the whole podcast because... That is a very small moment, a tiny, tiny percentage of Jose Aldo's career. Was it the biggest moment in his career? Yeah, probably not. It was it was unfortunate. It was incredible at the time. Conor McGregor was just a force to be reckoned with. And it was just it was just one of those things, man. Sometimes in fighting you get caught. It was spectacular. It was chaotic. But there's no doubt Conor McGregor got in that in that man's head and he did that mental warfare. Prime Conor McGregor was able to siege Jose Aldo's brain for want of a better word and his mentality and his mindset in a way that no one else had ever been able to do and really do since. The most highly anticipated featherweight fight of all time. Connor looks extremely loose and Aldo looks like he's feeling the pressure of this moment. 
Green trunks for the Southpaw, the notorious Conor McGregor. Black trunks for the champion, Jose Aldo Jr. Conor relaxed, smiling. And I think he'd learned a lot from that. There was a clip going around from a podcast he did in Brazil recently. And the way he's dealt with that loss and the way he's accepted it and the praise he had for Conor McGregor was remarkable for such a high-profile, humiliating incident. This guy who terrorized him for 18 months, chased him around the world, disrespected his country, called him every name under the sun, and then flatlined him and humiliated him in that fashion. For him to be able to deal with that, move on, and continue to compete, as I said at the start, is truly remarkable. And it is a bit of an injustice that he never got a rematch with Conor McGregor. I don't know how it would have gone, but it certainly would have been a 13-second fight. And Conor moves up to 155 and then goes off and does all of his circus shit. And it's a shame because probably no champion has been more dominant loses the title and then doesn't get their the, the champion, the dominant champion always gets their rematch, especially when it's a, a surprise like that. I don't want to call it an upset in the same way that it was Matt Serra versus GSP, but GSP was always going to work his way, you know, get, get that rematch. So yeah, it's just a shame, but I think we put that out on the table now and we move past it and we focus on, the positives of Jose Aldo's career. Before we do that, anything else you wanted to add on the Conor McGregor saga, the fiasco, the, uh, the running into the... I couldn't help but watch that fight, you know, when we're looking... You can't, we're going you can't through, not. You can't just look at the Aldo catalogue and just skim past that fight because just even the 10-minute build-up of them walking out and, um, like, it, the, you can feel the tension like it's live when you watch it, and it's crazy, but... I think um, it, the reason Aldo probably takes it so well now is one, because of the person he is, but he probably blames himself a little bit for getting caught up with Connor's bullshit because, and I, and I think like not only did he learn from that, the entire fucking UFC roster learned from that. They're like, ah, oh, shit, you need to look past Connor's bullshit. And that is what all of them do now to the point of his Connor's last couple of fights. I'm sitting here going, this is fucking lame. Like, he needs to shut the fuck up. This is so cringe. Dustin Poirier is not even reacting. And Jose Aldo, in a weird way, was probably the one guy that he was like the um, scapegoat nearly. He had to fucking, he had to be the one that fell. And all the rest had got to learn from that and watch from um, without being the one in the octagon copying it. But. Yeah, the third, it was just so amazing because it happened in 13 seconds. Like, it just, it was so unbelievable. And Conor McGregor, it was just the timing. Conor was the biggest athlete on planet Earth at that point. Well, after that KO, it was just fucking crazy. And yeah, you kind of feel for him uh, watching when you go back and watch it because you just, that's, it's nearly the most notable part of it is just how emotional Eldo is instantly. Like, after a KO, yes. he's crying like that. And it's just like, yeah, meant so much to him. I, I completely agree. And even at the time, I remember vividly where I was, who I was watching with. It's one of those moments in time you go, wow, I was watching that live. I couldn't believe it. I was a Conor McGregor, I still am, but more so back then. I was a Conor McGregor fan. I was wanting to see him unify the belts. I wanted to see something spectacular. You couldn't, you couldn't help but get swept up. And if you look back now and say, no, I never got caught up in Conor McGregor hype, you're a damn liar. Oh, yeah, 100%. I was, I was dying for Conor to win that fight. Don't get me wrong. But the moment it happened, and as you said, you saw Jose out, I was like, oh, man. Like, he didn't, he didn't deserve this. He's too much of a, a legend. And I didn't quite, at that time, appreciate how good Aldo was. And subsequently over the years, I've gone back and, educated myself on some of his fights and then seeing what he continued to do afterwards. So let's go back. Let's go back to where it all started because he put together this body of work that's 
unlike anything we've ever seen in the sport, really. And, you know, he, he, he opened up his career in, in the regional circuit in Brazil. Bro, some of the fights that he had in the regional circuit in Brazil, where they had the soccer kicks legal. We're talking about Jose Aldo's leg kicks being so violent and deadly because he kicks so hard. Now imagine that's your head on the floor. He was just murderous. If you want a, a sneak peek of that too, just jump on our socials. I think on Twitter and Instagram, there's a video of him basically soccer kicking someone's head. Well, you know, he's the king of Rio, and it does have a. The, he's executing a peasant in front of his in front of his court for disrespecting the king, for daring <laughs> to think he could hang with the king. It's just brutal. I think he had a couple, if I recall correctly, a couple of. Uh, yeah, he has a couple of uh, victories by by soccer kicks in in uh, Ballet Tudo and basically crazy organizations in, in Rio de Janeiro. And then he, he really starts to build his body of work and he loses quite early on in his career. But I do have to note that he lost at lightweight, man. He fought at 155 pounds. This is a guy who retired as a bantamweight. But his only loss all the way up until the Conor McGregor fight in his career was a lightweight. Until that point, he never, ever lost at featherweight, undefeated for 25 fights. That goes from 2004 to 2015. I mean, that's just, it's just ridiculous. It's just absolutely obscene to think that someone's able to put that together. And he, he, Runs through the regional scene, he fights in Brazil, he has a, a little fight in England, one in Japan, and then it's okay, baby, it's WEC time. Which back then, that was the big leagues, that was getting into the UFC. The WEC was the pinnacle for lower weight class fighters. And he comes in and he's just on a tear, man. He's unstoppable, he's undeniable. One, two, three, four, five, six. KO stoppages in a row, including the title eliminator over Cub Swanson. No one does this to Cub Swanson. He he runs across and knees him in the face inside five seconds. And that's it. And then this is the eliminator for the title. The two of the three best featherweights on the planet at the time. And they're talking about these both, both guys are going to be bringing violence. It's going to be an exciting... Bam. It's over. All right, guys. Now bring it on. Come on. Swanson and Aldo, one of these men will probably get a shot at the champ and right off the bat, it is over. It is absolutely over. How is that for explosiveness right there? This kid is fearless out there. Flying knees. I mean, right off the bat. That's accuracy right there. And Cub Swanson's like, what the fuck has happened? He stands up, his eyes all bloodied. <sighs> Crazy. He's a force of nature. And then this is when the legendary run really begins. He gets his first title. Okay, it's the WEC featherweight title. For all intents and purposes, this is the UFC, excuse me, featherweight title, the UFC featherweight title. This is where his reign begins. It should be included when we're talking about the all-time uh, championship defenses. It should start for Jose Aldo, November 18th, 2009, against... Mike Brown. I know you went back and watched this fight. What what were your thoughts on it? First of all, my initial thought was <laughs> it had been so long that I was like, Mike Brown, isn't he a coach? <laughs> <laughs> I was, I you, he looks good for his age. He doesn't look too oh, much older great. now. He but that's great. why I got confused because he still looks young now. And <laughs> and I was <laughs> I was like, holy shit, I forgot all about that this guy was a genuine fighter and Fuck me, he's in great shape at this point too. He is jacked and he swings for the fences as well. I know. I think he had a wrestling background, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So like his his punching was um, that of a wrestler. You could tell it was quite new, <laughs> probably foreign. But oh my god, if you got in the way of one, it would have put you to sleep. It probably would have even put Aldo to sleep. But Aldo, like I said earlier, this. This is out of the fights I watched. This was probably the most obvious one. How it was like, oh yeah, Mike Brown, cool. You're a world championship wrestler. 
whatever, cool, cool, cool. I'm 10 years ahead of my time and I'm going to avoid basically every single one of these punches. I'm going to nullify any sort of takedown attempt and I'm just going to dominate you. Mike Brown's trying to get the shot again. Look at again the, uh, the takedown defense of Jose Aldo. We've always talked about his striking ability, his offensive ability. But you got to wonder if Mike Brown, the champ, can't put Jose Aldo on his back in this division, who can? Right. And we have not seen the champion in this situation before. Jose Aldo now is just teed off on Mike Brown. Brown trying to survive. And that's it. Steve Mazzagatti ends it. We have got a new champion in the featherweight division. His takedown defense is just insane, considering yes. that Mike Brown was a uh, yes. world-class wrestler. And I couldn't believe it at watching it. And, um, yeah, man, you can see, like, obviously we already know this, but you can see, you're like, oh, yeah, this guy's going to be a, a champion for a long time just by watching this fight. You can see, man, absolutely right. He's just different gravy. And Mike Brown, you got to say, was no slouch. He, coming into this fight, was on his own 10-fight undefeated streak, including two wins over... Uriah Faber, he took the WC belt off Uriah Faber, who was the poster boy for the WEC. He was the biggest star by a mile, the California kid. We know how good Uriah Faber was. Mike Brown beat him twice, and then Jose Aldo comes along and makes Mike Brown look ordinary. With all due respect to Mike Brown, who was not an ordinary fighter, he was very, very good. Jose Aldo made him look ordinary. And that's a great point you raised about his takedown defense. And that's something that we saw get better and just be an absolute mainstay bread and butter for Jose Aldo through his entire career. Look at some of the wrestlers he's fought. We'll get we'll dive into these fights more. Starting with Mike Brown, Chad Mendes twice, Frankie Edgar twice. And it's all well and good saying, oh, you don't want to stand with Jose Aldo. He's too violent. Those leg kicks are brutal. Okay, yeah, then take him down. Good luck. Some of the best defensive wrestling that you'll ever see. He was almost impossible to take down. And that gave him such freedom to throw his strikes however he wanted, with the speed he wanted. He never once hesitated to throw a vicious, violent leg kick. One, because they were so fast and it has no, uh, no tell, there's no wind up in those leg kicks. He's somehow able to generate that incredible force without having to drag his leg back and, and, and give it away. But second of all, he's like, all right, grab my leg. I'll just, I'll, I'll beat your single leg, no problem. His takedown defense was absurd. And that fight with Mike Brown, wow. He, he just made him, he made him look incredibly ordinary. And as you said, you're watching it, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, no, this, this, this guy is something special. And certainly we continue to see that all through his WC run, Uriah Faber. Man, what a fight that was with, with Uriah Faber. Yeah, okay, it was a decision. And really, once he became champion, the, the KO stoppages and victories sort of became less, obviously, because once you become champion, you're fighting the very best fight after fight, right? We see this all the time. People go on absolute KO tearing runs. They get to the title and then their finishing rate somewhat slows down. It's like, well, yeah, you're, also, you're training and you're preparing for a five-round fight, so automatically you become a little bit more conservative your output in the earlier rounds. But B, you're fighting the next best guy in the world at that time, the guy who deserves to have a crack at the belt. So your, your level of competition exponentially increases as well. But that fight with Uriah Faber, yeah, it was a decision, but... It was maybe more humiliating than than a stoppage. He got I mean, him in a mounted crucifix. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe it when I saw that. I was like, what the fuck Uriah is Uriah Faber? <laughs> in his prime. In his hometown. Imagine, do you know, do you know how dominant you have to get Uriah Faber at a mounted crucifix in Sacramento? And then almost he could have, if he wanted to, done the old stop hitting yourself, stop hitting yourself. <laughs> because he had his hand, he was just elbowing him and slapping him. And yeah, I've got an older brother. I know what Uriah Faber felt like <laughs> in that moment. <laughs> that would have been the yeah, it would have been truly humiliating, but he and for those that haven't seen it, 
the fight doesn't end there. He gets saved by the bell, but um, it was basically over at that point. Obviously, it, yeah. But it was a dominant performance the whole way through. The only thing I can think of is that eventually he got tired and he didn't want to take any chances, and he knew he was way, way ahead. The mounted crucifix at the end of this round got on top of him, pounded on him for well over a minute in this position. Complete, total domination, but quite honestly, a fairly boring ending. Maybe even more dominant than he was against Brown. Like He definitely gave, uh, gave off a lot more damage, I felt like, and just dominated even more because Faber couldn't even compete with him on the ground. Whereas I think if Brown did get it to the ground, he might have had a bit of dominance there and that was so Aldo just kept it on the feet the whole the whole time but yeah Faber he had Faber outclassed uh, on, on every level of MMA and Uriah Faber was a fucking weapon and was after this moment too like he was yeah. still good after it. it was just like oh my god Jose Aldo's on another planet it was those leg kicks though man he absolutely hobbled Uriah Faber hobbled him and he just couldn't couldn't deal couldn't hang so yeah yes <laughs> Just, 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 my goodness. Then he, then he, um, and then this is where, this is where it then becomes the UFC, right? There's one more WC fight. He knocks out Manny Gamborian, who, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe now you, you go, okay, Manny Gamborian, not, not, not a, not a great name, but was put, put together a, a few wins, including a knockout over Mike Brown on the same card, right? So it was like, like, ooh, who's going to get a crack at Jose Aldo? Manny Gamborian gets his, gets his chance and then gets swiftly knocked out and dispatched by Jose Aldo. He remains the champion. And then the UFC and the WC merge, and he's upgraded to UFC featherweight champion of the world. And the legendary run that we all know and love begins in earnest, officially, as UFC champion. And it starts with Mark Hominick, who... At the time, again, had earned his shot, was dangerous. I was a huge fan of Mark Hominick. I was like, ooh, his striking's really good. I wonder if he's going to give Jose Aldo any any problems. And again, one of those moments, one of those fights where you distinctly remember where you were. I think it was on the undercard of Benson Henderson's, Benson Henderson's lightweight title defense. But the fight preceding this was Leota Machida crane kicking Randy Couture's face into into the netherworld <laughs> and then this fight happened and Mark Hominick gets a hematoma on his head that is it's like someone stuck a cricket ball underneath the skin of Mark Hominick and just been like there you go he got his ass beaten beaten he was too tough for his own good he was never the same after that fight Jose Aldo broke and Really, really finished. He finished uh, Mark Hominick's career because, again, he went on a five-fight win streak. He got his title shot, and then he, ne he never won a mixed martial arts fight again and, and, re and re retired 18 months later. Like Jose Aldo broke and finished Mark Hominick's MMA career. He would have ended a lot of careers, maybe not as emphatically as that, but there would have been a lot of guys that were pretty much, once they fought Aldo, just hit. Yeah, I'm not going to get that title. <laughs> and yeah. the only one I can, off the top of my head, that I could probably compare him to in terms of doing that is John Jones. Like John Jones, like cleaned out, cleaned out a generation of light heavyweight guys, <laughs> like legends. But um, yeah, I felt like you, like Aldo, all these big names, names you've heard of, uh, never really got that UFC title all because of him. Yes, ab absolutely. I mean, yeah, he reti he retired Kenny Florian. Kenny Florian. Came down, one fight at featherweight, went for the title against Jose Aldo, lost, retired. Kenny Florian is one of the all-time greats to never win a title. Maybe the guy, maybe the best fighter to never win a title. I think he competed at two or three different weight classes. And Joe, he, he ran into Jose Aldo and was like, ah, oh, shit, I'm not going to get a title here either. <laughs> Guess I'll just go, go to commentating on the desk. And he was a great fighter. Jose Aldo retired him. Just... Just an insane, insane run that he, he went on. And, and the way he beat these guys, he like said, even if it wasn't emphatic KOs, highlight reel KOs, the dominance in which he was winning these decisions and the damage he was inflicting on his opponents made people go, yeah, I don't think I want to get back in there. Don't think I want to get back in there. 
with him. And one guy who did get back in there with him, and we've got to give him credit uh, for, for, for how he, he came back, was Chad Mendes. Because in their first matchup, it was like, wow, okay, Chad Mendes, he could be a real, real threat to Jose Aldo. He could be, he could be one, of, one of the guys. I think up until that point, he'd only lost. He was undefeated, right? He was, yeah, he was 11-0. He was an elite, elite-level wrestler. And they were like, okay, maybe he's the one who's finally going to take him down. He had these absolute power punches as well. And I was like, okay, okay, he's got a grappling game. He's, he's, he's well-rounded. And then Jose Aldo just absolutely murks him with a knee, knocks him out, retains the championship. And you go, oh, okay, is that, that another one dispatched to the wayside? In fairness to Chad Mendes, he then peels off another five wins and comes back with a rematch, which Aldo Mendes too. We both watched this fight. My goodness, what a fight this was. This, this, like, if you ever just go, oh, I just want to watch a fun, entertaining five-round fight, this is the fight. This, this is a fight to put on. You go, whoo, baby. These it, boys let it fly. Yeah, and for, for context for those that, don't can't put a finger on exactly when this was. It was basically Conor McGregor was just becoming a superstar in the UFC and Chad Mendes and Jose Aldo were the guys. And basically whoever won this fight, uh, Conor McGregor was the next man up to fight them, which became Jose Aldo. Obviously, Jose wins this fight, but he then got injured and Conor ended up fighting Chad anyway. And yeah. Obviously, as history tells you, Chad Mendes pushed Connor a lot further than Jose Aldo did. And if you watch this fight between Chad and Jose Aldo, you realize that Jose wins, but these guys weren't that far apart at this point. Chad Mendes was a fucking dog, and that poor bloke came against prime uh, Jose Aldo and then prime Conor McGregor who knocked out <laughs> Jose Aldo in prime Jose Aldo seconds. twice exactly prime Jose Aldo twice man this you're so right this is one of the most entertaining five round fights you'll watch Jose Aldo the champion Chad Mendez the challenger he cannot wait to get this started Round oh. three, there is one of many huge uppercuts landed by the challenger. They fought up with two of those left hooks and stunned the champion. Came forward, thought he was going to finish Aldo, and then Aldo rocked Mendez back and forth. And then round four, really the most dominant, I believe, by Chad Mendez. Really was getting off first, moving, being very smooth with his combinations. And round five, Aldo landed several very nice punches, but a big double leg there from Mendez. Nice combination there from the champion. Defends the takedown. Tough one to score, but back and forth. Incredible job. And, and what a fight put on by both of these Warriors. And still, the undisputed UFC featherweight champion of the world, Jose. These guys are so fucking fit. Like, so fit that I'm like, are they on the roids in this fight right now? Like, what is going on there? Both I mean, so jacked. I don't I, I don't want to toss unfounded allegations, but if I was a betting man, I'd say that Chad Mendes was definitely on something. Yeah, they look so, so, they're supremely fit. And they both just, the pace is just unbelievable. Like, they just keep going and going and going and, yeah, credit to Hoda Aldo because Chad was kind of renowned for, you know, his his um, endurance and stamina and Jose Aldo his just... toughness, man. Some of the shots he took, you just know he was completely willing to be in there, go into the fire, take his licks to try and... Because he, he, he wasn't throwing the same volume of combinations, right? But he was there. He was like, okay, I'm going to wear a few, but I'm going to come and I'm going to land something heavy on you. Just... Just a uh, spectacular fight on on what a pretty ordinary card. Looking back, I don't I don't remember watching this one live. I'm trying to I'm trying to recall. It was the listeners have around. probably seen it uh, 
the videos of Connor like lurking in the background. There's like yes. a famous photo of him yes. like in the cage, like standing there with his fucking lats poking out like he likes to do, just like staring <laughs> uh, Jose Aldo down after he's won the fight. It is quite funny. Even if you just watch this fight, there's certain frames where you can just see Conor McGregor in the background. He's wearing some suit that stands out so much. And you just like, kind of see him. He, I think he pretty much just stands up. Poor person that was sitting behind him was probably furious. Just stands up the whole fight, just staring at the game. Yeah, you don't tap, imagine the, the balls on him, tap Conor McGregor on the shoulder. Excuse me, mate, would you sit down? You know that video that went viral of Conor like watching the USA on the TV and he's like strutting around yes. his lounge room or whatever? He's same, basically same doing vibes. that at the event. <laughs> he's a fucking nut job. He's a complete and utter, yeah, he is. He's a complete fucking head case. <laughs> By the way, I'm just you're looking this event up now. What a shame in terms of uh, pay-per-view buy rates, man. It only did 180,000 pay-per-view sales. Not a lot, considering what a great fight it was, what a star Aldo was. An attendance of 11,000 in Rio. Okay, that's, yeah, that's okay. It's not bad. But we're talking about a rematch of great proportions. It's going to be, you just knew, you just had a feeling this fight was going to be a great now, scrap. Because Nowadays that would be, it'd be 10 times the amount of pay-per-views. It's like, I, I feel like at that time we were still it, kind yeah, of in I the... I can tell you for sure, it definitely wouldn't be 10 times. It might be twice, but there's no <laughs> way. There's no way it's 10 times, that's for sure. But um, the, the reason that that was probably like that is because Back then, I feel like nearly all the lower weight classes just kind of didn't get the respect they deserved. Correct. Conor McGregor was like the the first guy, even for me, that I was like, I'm watching this fucking featherweight fight. I don't care what's going on. I'm watching this fight. And then you kind of realize that, oh, they're all actually insanely good. It's not just him. Yes. And then yeah, nowadays, like, bantamweights will, will lead pay-per-views now. Um, but Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like with Demetrius, Demetrius Johnson just didn't get the respect he deserved yeah. at uh, 125 pounds yeah exactly it, it just it's so i can't remember which card it was but it came up on twitter recently it could have even been a conor mcgregor fight i'm, I'm not sure but essentially the person was the, the journalist tweeting out about it said that people were leaving the arena before the main event because they were so disinterested in watching demetrius johnson it's unthinkable it's so insane that people were such casuals that that at that point that they just had zero interest in the lower weight classes that Henry Cejudo, as much as he's a cringe, essentially saved. The UFC was absolutely going to shutter the 125-pound division. Triple C. Triple C, triple cringe. <laughs> um, yeah, but I'm glad I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad they didn't, that's for sure. So Aldo beats beats Mendez in a in a just in a barn burner of a fight, man. An absolute barn burner. And then, of course, it's Conor McGregor. He comes back from that. Of course, Conor McGregor goes off. He goes up to lightweight. And then he fights Frankie Edgar in a rematch at UFC 200 for the interim belt because Conor's off doing his thing. Of course, the UFC ends up stripping him. Jose Aldo finds himself featherweight champion of the world again. It's like, what? Talk, talk about, uh, talk about uh, you know... Uh, you're getting the, getting the look of the Irish, but, uh, as, it, as it might be. And then he fights Max. <laughs> he Ma it. Then he fights. Then he, he did. He did. He did. And then he fights Max Holloway. And this is really where the end of featherweight Jose Aldo starts to come along. We talked about him being so far ahead of everyone for so long. Now we got a next generation. Now Max Holloway's here. Peak, prime, unstoppable. Max Holloway, durable, unknockdownable. Max Holloway, and he he loses loses the the, the belt to him. Um, fight of the night gets stopped. He gets stopped again. It only takes Holloway three rounds on both occasions to stop Jose Aldo. And you go, okay, okay, maybe Jose Aldo's done. 
that start to talk about his retirement. And then takes a bit of time off. Seven months later, he's back against Jeremy Stevens. Jeremy Stevens is no walk in the park. He doesn't have the best records like overall, but Jeremy Stevens has got some good wins. He's tough as fuck, man. He hits hard. Mike Brown. Jeremy Stevens. Yeah. Jeremy Stevens got belted by Jose Aldo. And you go, okay, okay, okay. And then he takes a fight with with Hanato Mukano, his fellow countryman. And you go, hmm, okay. Mukano's big, man. He's much taller, much longer. Someone who grew up watching Jose Aldo knows what he's going to try and do. And this fight, man, he was the underdog. I couldn't believe it. I knew they fought. And I went back and on the broadcast, it's when the UFC started to put odds in there. And Jose Aldo was an underdog. Unthinkable. What a performance he puts on, man. That first round is, is a good round. He wins it. And then he just comes out and goes, you know what? Enough of this, Moicano. I am better than you. I belong in a class above you. And he absolutely shreds him, just blitzes him and puts probably 15, 20 punches, strikes together and just folds him up against the cage. The referee is forced to step in. It's one thing to enjoy oh. fight week and take it well. Big shot there from Aldo. Oh. He puts it together on top. Jose Aldo gets busy on the feet. Body shot. Body shot. Mark Aldo is behind it, trying to hang in. The knee to the face. Jose Aldo. It's so funny at the start of this, they, they talk about how it's kind of the legend versus the Brazilian up and comer. And then the new they, guy, they the put new, up the, the next breed. They put up the stats and they're like three years in age difference. Like, Moicano's already 29. It's like the shit that Aldo has done has not just been in the three year age gap that you guys have had. This guy's been a dominant for probably 14 years at this point. Like, and you're saying this guy's yeah. an up and comer. It's just crazy. Um, it just shows how good he is. Like he's not the even thirty one's not even that old at the end of the day, and he's a living legend that we're talking about him retiring, and he's thirty one. Like, that's crazy. Uh, he he then he then has a couple more fights at featherweight. He he um, he fights Alexander Volkanovski and loses by unanimous decision. And you go, you know what? That's fine. He's gonna eventually Volkanovski will, in all likelihood replace you as the greatest featherweight of all time for now though jose that title's yours yeah he's there's a lot more body of work that the uh, volk has got to do he could certainly get there and then he goes you know what I'm, I'm going down to bantamweight and it doesn't go it doesn't start well for him he loses a decision to marlon marais which again watching that fight remembering at the time i was like what the shit he won that fight and he should have yeah. The, the, it was a nonsense split decision. I can't remember what the judges were. I just remember who the judges were. Excuse me. I remember there being fuckery. And this is how you know there was fuckery afoot because the UFC went, you know what? You actually did win that fight. Here you go, son. You can fight Piotr Jan for the vacant title at that point because I can't remember what happened. Did TJ get stripped? TJ got stripped because he, he popped for EPO and so it was vacant. And so they went Piotr Jan versus Jose Aldo. And look, at this point, you go, yeah, he's, he's now lost a step, Jose. He's a little older. He's come up against ferocious fighters at 135, guys who are on the way up, you're on the way down. And he, 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 he gets beaten up and ends up getting stopped by Piotr Jan. And you go, oh, that, that must be it now. That must be it for Jose. No, 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 no. He then goes on and he beats Marlon Vera. What? Crazy. Pedro Munoz and then Rob Font. He puts himself right back in the title picture, right back in the title picture with three very good performances, three, okay, decisions, but very strong decision victories. And then he comes up against Merab, Merab Dvalishvili. And I will never forgive that crotch sniffer for this. I hate him. <laughs> I hate that stupid crotch sniffing son of a bitch because not only did he have zero intention to engage in that fight and allow Jose Aldo to strike, he, he couldn't take him down. All he did was hold him against the cage, sniff his crotch in his armpits, 
and do absolutely nothing to advance the fight or to make it exciting. He didn't deserve that win. Josie didn't deserve the win either. It should have been scrapped off as a no contest. It was a joke. But then afterwards, to have the gall to leak or spoil Jose Aldo's retirement by saying, oh, yeah, Jose told me in the cage afterwards, this is probably my last one. Who do you think you are, you crotch-sniffing asshole? That's not your news to share. We're talking about one of the greatest of all time, and you go and take his shine like that after that performance. The absolute arrogance, the cheek to do that is... He doesn't get enough shade online for that. He it's he is a very good fighter. He might fight for the title one day. He probably will. But that moment to do that to a legend of the sport is unforgivable. To take away his moment, to steal his spotlight, to not let him have his own announcement in his own way. It's not cool, man. It's really, really not cool. Very disappointed in the rap for that. <laughs> I feel your pain. But what I want to touch on is if you look at I think what really defines how legendary he was is if you look at his losses in the back end of his career. Obviously, the the first big one is to Conor McGregor. There is no shame in losing to Conor McGregor at that period, none at all. The next two losses that he has are both to Max Holloway. Everyone lost to Max Holloway, literally everyone except uh, Volkanovski. Um, <laughs> and his next loss is Volkanovski. So it's just like, come like. These are not – there is no shame in losing to any of these guys. And then Marlon no, Marias, we know I, he's a ro- he got robbed of that, so that was a win anyway. And then he lost to yes. Piotr Jan, who is just a he fucking was. legend. Like, yeah. not, all of these guys are just beasts that he's lost to. So there was just no shame. Like, the, if you lose to those legends, you are a legend. If they're your only losses, you're a living legend. And as I said, these were all on their upswings, right? These were the starts of their runs going on to do their own legendary things. Jose Aldo has already been there, done that, got the T-shirt. He He's already cemented his legacy and he's giving these people an opportunity. And being competitive still, obviously, okay, Connor, he got smoked, but still, he, he, he reinvented himself. He got more discipline with his diet. He cut to 135 and he continued to shape his legacy and he could still be fighting today if he wanted to. He got one fight left on his deal. It's just a shame it had to end in that way. The last, you know, there are very few fairy tale endings in combat sports. Very, very, very few. And this, it just wasn't quite that for Aldo. Uh, a boring loss, booed. The fight itself was booed and then his retirement announcement was, was stolen as well. So, Unfortunate, but I really hope he, we get to see him compete in some manner at least once more before it's all said and done. But it kind of just shows the like his ego, how like you know he's just got no ego. The fact that the way he retired and everything is just sail off into the sunset, no fuss. He didn't even no exactly. He didn't even put out a statement. His it was confirmed by his management in the UFC. He on this he retired the day his son was born. And he just posted a picture with his son in the delivery room. And that's all he talked about. And for me, that's quite serendipitous, right? This is a man who spent his career just violating people inside a steel cage. And the day he hangs it up from the highest level of competition is the day he's like, you know what? I'm a father now. I've got my, I've got bigger priorities. And there's something really sweet about that. It's fucking, and, and that's so beautiful. I actually didn't know it's that. It's poetic. Yeah, it's poetic. And for, he didn't okay he didn't get the ending in the cage that he wanted but the timing of it all he must be he must be a, an incredible piece with his decision because it just it just worked out so nicely uh so yeah a real poetic ending for one of the true all-time greats there's there's just something to be said like in in all sports no one like i love it when i see um athletes feeling themselves after they win championships or titles or whatever but they're it's just something amazing when a guy does stay as humble as Aldo when they're as successful as he is because, I, like, there's no way I could do that. If I won one fucking title fight, I would be the most fucking bragging, arrogant you'd be, piece you'd, of be shit. Con, you'd be Conor McGregor. You'd be Conor McGregor. <laughs> exactly. But everyone would be. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. And, and the fact that he was so, so successful, he had every reason to just be an arrogant piece of shit. Like, there's guys in the UFC that are arrogant pieces of shit that are, aren't even ranked in the top 10 and never will be. Like yeah, it is yeah. so fucking crazy 
and you see it every now and then in all different sports and I, I hate when like the old guys in the media or oh, these people need to be humble and show some respect. I also hate that. I'm like, they can do whatever the fuck they want. They won. But um, yeah. like, I'm not saying you shouldn't. I love that too. But it's just so impressive when someone like him goes through the ranks all the way and just stays the way he is, so humble. And, you know, you just, you don't see it that much anymore. No. And perhaps people don't know that in the same manner of GSP, for example, because he doesn't speak English. He's very much... Uh, over in Brazil and a different part of the world, we don't see him as much. We don't get that exposure the same way we did GSP. But in my mind, they're, they're, they're one and the same, right? Their dominance over a division, the way they handle themselves inside and outside of the octagon, just, just very similar careers too. In the way that, like, they a lot of decision for, decision wins, but do, always dominant. Never like, oh, he got lucky that fight or he got lucky this fight. Yeah, like not, won that fight ne- never in, in doubt. <laughs> yeah, ne- never. Yeah, a lot of those never were, were, were never in doubt. So that is the octagon MMA career of Jose Ardo. We've got a couple of other bits to clear up here, Adam. A little bits to, to talk about. Let's have, a, let's have a look at the notes here. You made a note on the show sheet, and I guess we're talking about the old UFC and the WC. And you said that the 800 sponsors all over the shorts, the individualized fighting, you're not a fan. It just looks so shit. Uh, I wish they could still do it because I assume they got all the money from the sponsors that oh, were yeah. on their kit. So oh, I loved it for that. Yeah. But just in terms of aesthetic, it does look so bad when it's just like everyone's uniforms are different. They're just slapped everywhere, all over the shorts, wherever you can fit them, all over the shirt, wherever you can fit it. And everyone's got different sponsors. And it's just like some of them are just so irrelevant. And I'm just like, this is bad for my eyeballs. But some, that is the yeah. only thing. I some, do not. Yeah. I, I wish some they could all bit, get paid for it still. Yeah, hundred percent. Some of them are a bit NASCAR-y, and I think it's now too far at the other end of the scale. What the UFC should probably do is they're so big now. The UFC just wasn't on the scale that it was back then, so fighters had to go and get them. UFC is so so big now. They could get a pool of twenty, thirty approved sponsors, and fighters can then negotiate deals with two, three, four of them for their own revenue and have them in specific fixed locations on the shorts. So there's some kind of consistency, but the fighters can still benefit and also be a bit unique and align with brands that fit their personality and so on and so forth. Yeah. But yeah, I, I love watching it in the throwback, especially the WC, man. The blue, the blue gloves were electric. I love that. I think that looks sick. And yeah, it's just such a different era. You've got you've got Goldie and Rogan on the call. It's yeah, yeah. Well, that's another thing. Go- Goldie, fuck me, he's annoying sometimes in the commentary. <laughs> oh my god, he just says things that are just you can tell. It's like this bloke is he's got one foot out the door. He probably hasn't watched a fight other than the ones he's called in about six years. <laughs> and, oh, I hate Goldie. Sl- I hate Goldie slander because I've got such like good memories and it's oh, so me nostalgic. Too. And trust me, at the time, does, I loved him. I thought he was the I king. loved him as well. I loved him as well. And then he says some things and you're like, what, what are you talking about, Goldie? He just goes off on a little wonder. Yeah. Like, Rogan has so many subtle digs at him, like without being so direct, he just like shuts yeah. him down with a sentence because he just yeah. rebuts what he said with with facts and I'm truth. Sure, I'm sure there's someone's done a cut up of, Goldie saying stupid shit and Rogan sort of correcting him. I'm sure on YouTube somewhere that exists. Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm sure. I, I think it, it might even be in one of our earlier history apps, but uh, I'll add it in again. <laughs> All right. There's one last thing we've got to do before we get on out here and wrap it up, and that is, of course, with every Punch Drunk history, we end with the Punch Drunk Pyramid rankings. Adam, remind, remind our wonderful listeners, what are the four tiers or the tiers that we've got so the top of the pyramid is shut up and take my money. You're buying the pay-per-view. The next level down is uh, get down to the pub, I believe. <laughs> I th- I the think next so. level. Is it, split, is it like splitting with mates and then get down to the pub? <laughs> I think it's splitting Fuck. with mates. I think it's split. It would help if we actually had the graphic. I was just like, oh, yeah, shit. Why don't I have this uh, written down anymore? Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, get Yes, buy the pay-per-view with a group of mates. The next ones get down the pub, and then I believe the last ones illegally stream it, um, 
which is risk, risk incurring the wrath of Uncle Dana. If I'm honest, which is house with the FBI <laughs> during Aldo's run, I only illegally streamed things, <laughs> um, but I was broke. Whoop, 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 whoop. Yeah. Uh, so apolo- apologies to all, uh, especially Aldo. Probably you're probably getting cuts from that. Sorry, mate. But um, at the end of the day, unfortunately. His, his legendary career is undeniable, but his pay-per-view buys and whatnot, they're it's just star not power. There. They're it's just not there. there. Yeah. I, I would say, like, and it feels a shame for me to say this and put it, put a damp, not a dampener, but just, it's just the reality of where he was. And at the time of the UFC's stardom and things like that, he just wasn't a needle mover. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, as I said, it wasn't until Conor McGregor that people started to really give Jose Aldo his flowers. And then subsequently after that, and uh, he, it feels like he's getting more respect, more, excuse me, more respect. Now, the Volkanovski and Max Holloway have glowed up the division. And people are like, hang on a minute, we're talking about the greats. Don't forget about Jose Aldo. He is the greatest featherweight yeah. of all time. And now he's getting his flowers. At the time, it just it just wasn't there. As for me, he has to sit probably in the, in the bottom portion of the, the lowest rung of the of, of the pyramid unfortunately maybe up to the top like you know sometimes you might go to the pub or sometimes you might illegally dream somewhere between levels three and four but he, he doesn't he doesn't even get anywhere near the top two levels unfortunately I mean, we just talked about it before that fight with chad mendez did what did i say One hundred and eighty thousand pay-per-view buys that's nothing conor mcgregor doesn't get out of bed for one hundred and eighty thousand pay-per-view buys no we get more listeners than that <laughs> Thanks for the cheese. That's a fight night pod for us. Yeah, he's exactly, exactly. Uh, that's maybe that's what the pyramid should be: history ep, uh, pay per view ep, <laughs> fight night ep, and then just like yeah. I don't know, uh, no UFC this weekend. <laughs> no <laughs> UFC. <laughs> uh, we've got one more thing to do. Sorry, did you tell? Where did you put him? I put him in the exact same okay. spot as you. I can't. Uh, I agree with you. Okay, beautiful. There's one more thing to do, and I asked this question at the start. But everyone has their own personal route, Mount, route, Mount Rushmore, and everyone has a different interpretation of what that means. I call it whether it's influence, whether it's coach status, and of course, we're talking about picking the four icons or whatever of the sport to 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 be a definitive list of yeah, these guys. You think of the sport, you think of these guys. And for me, it indicates greatness. And that's why my Mount Rushmore includes George St. Pierre, John Jones, Anderson Silva, and one Mr. Jose Aldo. For me right now, they are the Mount Rushmore. Of, uh, it's so hard to do. Of UFC. It's incredibly but Off hard. the top of my head, it's very hard to argue with. That one you've just put in front of us. GSP, Anderson Silva, John Jones, Jose Aldo. Um, other than you being a misogynistic pig, uh, that's pretty spot on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I did I, 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 we I, put didn't, I didn't carve <laughs> I didn't carve Mount Rushmore. It's there there's there's there are only male faces in the mountain. I, I don't make the rules, I just follow them, all right? Mm. Uh, <laughs> the women want their Mount Rushmore so badly, then first of all, they should start be- by becoming presidents and then they can build their own. <laughs> um, like, I, I don't want to rebut that because we'll, we'll, we'll go for another 20 minutes, but that is pretty solid. And uh, maybe I'll just Photoshop that and put it on the socials and see if um, everyone else agrees or what theirs would be. I've got nothing else to add on Jose. Legendary career and uh, I enjoyed doing this. Absolutely. Congratulations, Jose Aldo, on a spectacular career. Thank you, and we love you. To the UFC, help build the sport, this brand. We love them and we always will. And that's it.
champion in the featherweight division. If you look back at Jose Aldo's career, the leg kicks from his early days, devastating striker on the feet, excellent takedown defense. When it comes to skill, he is unequal. He was a monster. And it is all over! What makes Jose Aldo so special is that he is a champion. He was the WEC champion. He was the UFC champion twice. Jose Aldo gets busy on the feet. Jose Aldo by knockout. Oh! That got Steven's attention! That'll do it!